Hi, welcome to another broadcast, broadcast number 33, podcast slash videocast slash journal. Um, and today's episode is about controlling hunger during fasting and during your eating window. Now, a lot of you who have listened to me for a while know that um, I am a big studier. I'm a teacher by trade. Um, my ma undergraduate work is in elementary education. My master's work is in reading education. So I'm all about learning. And so when I, you know, started this blog, or actually when I switched it from a low-carb recipe blog to an intermittent fasting blog, I was devoted to learning everything that I could learn and so that I could teach others. I've written 100 curriculum books for kids, um, totaling 50,000 pages. So teaching is my jam. Um, and so with that, I study two to three hours every day, um, intermittent fasting, nutrition, health, fitness, you know, all these things all the time, usually seven days a week. I'm very, very, very into learning so that I can bring this information to my readers and to my listeners and viewers um, and so that I can get uh, as much information as I can into your hands. So saying, I say all that to say that this started out three episodes ago about ghrelin and then it grew kind of like ghrelin grows. It grew and it grew and it grew until now I just cannot stop talking about controlling hunger. However, I am in the middle of um, Hungry Brain uh, by Dr. Stephen uh, Gannett. I think that's how you pronounce it. And I am just devouring that <laughs> um, book and all of his information and his website and everything. And I can't wait to teach you more about that because it has so much to do with how we can control our hunger and how we can control our eating, how we can control our eating window and get the best results both health-wise, nutritionally, uh, weight loss-wise, and so forth. And so, you know, we have a mantra here in my course as well as at DonnaReach.com that you can eat anything, not everything. And I believe that's true. I'm getting ready right now. You can see my Minnie Mouse shirt, my Mickey and Minnie necklace. Um, I am literally uh, walking out the door after this episode to go on an 18-person family vacation. Um, and, you know... We're going to do 16-8 while we're gone. We are going to have two meals a day, two mad. We have the Disney dining plan. And, um, you know, I'm all about enjoying good food and enjoying family time. I have my nails. Those of you who are on the podcast can't hear but can't see. But I have many, and I have the princesses on my nails. So, anyway, yeah, we are big Disney fans here. I 18 of us, my husband and I, and um, – 14, 16 uh, kids and kids in love and um, grandkids, uh, three, three grandkids and uh, 13, I think it is, kids and kids in love and then mom and dad. So we're looking forward to this greatly. So I'm all about that. But at the same time, all of us have to rein in, right? So I'm a nice, great one to be talking about that since I'm going to Disney World, right? Um, but all of us do have to rein in, and every day can't be special. And so with that, I want to bring you information that helps you make choices during your eating window when it's not a party day, when it's not a celebration. How will you eat? How will you fuel your body? How will you feel your best? How will you look your best? And so I'm excited to be bringing all this to you. So I say all that to say this is kind of the third episode about hunger, and you can see in the outline how I've delineated episode number 30. 3, 1 and 32 and talked about uh, and given you a list of some topics that we covered in those that I covered in those as well and um, then I'm also going to be uh, um, bringing you more information as I finish that book Hungry Brain and uh, finish listening to him teach because it's just astonishing um, 
And the thing about it is, you know, we get so wrapped up in our diet world. We get so wrapped up in um, macronutrients, the whole, you know, low fat, more like vegan potentially, although not all vegans and vegetarians are low fat. Many of them have oils and things um, and avocados and nuts. Um, But then we also have, you know, low carb and keto. And we uh, have a tendency to, we used to only think of calories. Then we got in this rut where we only think of macronutrients. So everything is about fat or carbs, right? And the premise of Hungry Brain is that it's really not about calories as much. There aren't very many people who would not say that calories do not count at all. It's not as much about calories as we've made it. And it's not as much about macronutrients as we've made it. And it's more about the simplicity of our food and the realness of our food. And it's just, it's so cool. And how the brain responds. It's just so, 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 so cool. So I'm going to try to go with my outline that I've been working on for the last couple of weeks for today's episode and not get off on tangents of, oh yeah, and he also said this, and I've also been learning about this, and I really want to tell you guys about that. So you'll have to just watch future episodes for those. So anyway, I'm going to dig right into controlling your hunger during fasting and a little bit during the eating window. Controlling your hunger during the eating window, I could do five episodes on that alone, Um, but I'm going to just focus on some highlights today. So the first thing that I want to delve into, because we've all, I've already done the ghrelin, I've done controlling the ghrelin, taming the ghrelin, I've done the water, I've done the fiber, I've done the um, electrolytes and the minerals and all of those things, and uh, fat, carbs, and protein. Those were in the previous two episodes. So right now I want to talk about some other elements that we don't, and cortisol, that was really big in the last one. And that's, that's going to be a little bit in this one too. So, um, so, but now let's, let's just delve off into some things that people don't always think about when it comes to hunger during the fast or hunger during the eating window. The first that that I've uh, been researching is about distracted eating. And this one has always been kind of um, a mystery to me because I have always been a distracted eater. You know that I, of type A, I go go full, full force. I, you know, I've written t- hundreds, a hundred books and I'm just always, always, always doing. I'm a blogger. You know, I like to do. I have had a large, I had a large family. I raised many children. I homeschooled them and I love to do. I don't like not doing things. I get very, very bored. And I've gotten to the point where I actually have made myself uh, as an older adult um, to where I can't do one thing at a time anymore. And there I always have to be multitasking. I always have to be doubling up, double dipping, that type of idea. And I've been learning a lot about that and its effects on cortisol and its effects on the brain and so forth um, as well. Because let's face it, we don't just fast, or at least I hope we don't just fast so that we can get to a certain weight or get to a certain size. I mean, I'm 55 years old. My husband is 50, almost 59. And so we are looking at, okay, how can we have the best life? for our last years, for our, you know, senior years. We're empty nesters now. How can we be the healthiest? How can we feel the best? How can we get enough sleep? How can we keep our our stress and cortisol low? How can we exercise and keep our hearts healthy? How can we work towards having healthy brains uh, that do not deteriorate uh, prematurely? And, And so 
intermittent fasting is the complete package. And I hope that you've been listening long enough and you've heard me say long enough that it's not just about our weight and our size. So many great things happen to us as we do nothing. And that's also a cool thing for somebody who always likes to do everything is that, you know, I'm just looking at this going, this is just a really good way for me to stop trying to do all the time because intermittent fasting is literally doing nothing, right, and getting great health results. So this distracted eating was especially interesting to me because I always did two things at one time. If we were at the table with the children, um, I would eat quickly and then read aloud at the end of our meal. If I always fed the kids separately during the day from me so that I could teach them during their meals, I would sit at the end of their little table as they had breakfast, as they had lunch, and I would do our stories, I would do our chapter books. I can't think of a time in my life as an adult that I did not have distracted eating. And then now, you know, that I'm an empty nester, you know, we had gotten into the habit of always, uh, you know, snacking while we watched a television show at night on Hulu or Netflix. Um, and I always, we got, we had gotten into the habit where we would eat dinner together, just two of us at the table, working on our computers side by side, but still working, doing another thing while we were eating. And I even liked to read while I ate. I mean, I would just always, uh, be distracted while I ate. And so uh, the deal on that is that we really uh, are not in tune with our satiety signals when we do that. We are not listening to what our body's saying to us. We are distracted and we're also not getting the full enjoyment of the food. And food is made to be enjoyed in part, right? It's for celebrations. But you know, as Christians, it's like the whole Bible is full of food celebrations. And that was just a huge part of uh, of our lives raising our kids. And it continues to be um, now as we have adult kids is, you know, what party's coming up next and what are we having and how are we celebrating? Right. And that's not a bad thing. But distracted eating takes us away from that. And it takes us to way to where we do not enjoy the food. We don't really taste it. We don't really get the satisfaction from just eating. We're having other stimuli around us instead of just focusing on food as our stimulus at that time. And um, we also miss satiety signals. So we need to enjoy our food without distractions. We need to make eating an event, not just something we do in passing. And, um, you know, for those of us who used to eat in the car, I always used to eat breakfast in the car, Diet Coke, a breakfast sandwich, or a Diet Coke and a donut or two as I was driving to my first places to teach. I'm an independent teacher um, as well and, and a private tutor. And so I would always, you know, eat on the run. So we were eating in passing. And that was, I talk about this a lot at the blog at Donna Reish and, and at the course, but a ton at the blog. Um, I even have some slideshows about it, about making new associations. And distracted eating is one of those areas where we can make new associations. So I actually had a lot of enjoyment, um, a lot of like good stimuli, um, good memories, good feelings from eating in the car. Um, I, it was always a big deal that we had this certain kind of cup holder in all my vehicles that held my um, big Diet Coke, that was a big deal. That was one of the things we had to get. We had to get good cup holders whenever we bought a vehicle. That's what I always always looked for. I'm not real big in vehicles, so it was cup holders and cars and a clicker. I would uh, cup holders and um, 
clickers, and the collar. That was all I ever cared about in cars. So cups, clickers, collar. So anyway, um, but that that became such a huge association. And then when I was done teaching in the afternoon, I would go through a drive through get me a Diet Coke, and sometimes get a snack or sometimes get a lunch. You know, it just depended. This was after um, my kids were grown and I didn't have to feed them during the day. So we need to make it an event, not just something we do in passing. And if we have a positive association with that, like I did, with loving to be in the van, turning up my music, getting all warmed up, getting my Diet Coke, driving around from place to place, and, and eating my breakfast sandwich, um, then, you know, we need to make new food associations. So for, for me, you know, that is, you know, this is my water jug. This is where my water jug goes. My water jug fuels me. Um, it burns fat. It uh, makes me regular. And I have, you have to tell yourself that you are making a new association that is not the same as the old. And it's, and it's better. And sometimes, you know, that takes a little time and a little coaxing. Um, but that was just one that I had to really make. Another one that I had to make was bedtime eating. And I've talked about this in previous episodes too. My husband and I had tried to break the habit of eating in bed. We go to bed at nine o'clock, nine thirty. We took our snack and we watched something. And that was, that was kind of what we did. We work pretty late hours, so we never, we don't even have, we don't even have a television in the other room that works. Uh, we just have one in our bedroom, actually, and that's where we watch something at night. We don't, I, I never watch television during the day. I never watch television before nine o'clock at night. I'm a doer, right? <laughs> and um, and we just never had that in, for our kids. It was just a habit we just never had. But um, but this was a new habit. This was a habit that we had, right? And also, I deserved it. Right, we have that problem too. I deserved to be able to bring a snack to bed and watch something because for 25 years I never watched a television show because I was too busy homeschooling my kids, raising my kids, and not having television for them so that they they would read. Okay, so so then we have all this, you know. I deserve it or I'm compensating for something that I feel that I've lacked or that I haven't given myself. So I'm giving myself this. So we have all of these associations to work through, and. Uh, it wasn't until my husband and I began intermittent fasting that we were able to say, we're done eating at six or seven. We are not bringing anything to bed with us to eat. We are not having snacks at night. And we had to work through that. And I talk about that in the associations a little bit more. But we don't want to rely on another stimulus while we're being stimulated by another stimulus. And this is, I think this is part of my whole problem with this ADD and um, always having to multitask right, is that I've built myself up to this point where I always have to multitask. It's not a good thing. I mean, I'm trying to work out of that, you know. I mean, a lot of people, and I, I included, have always bragged about how much I got done. But instead, I need to go the other way and just slow it down and not try to do so many things at one time. So we have too much going on with those multi-stimuli, and we get less satisfaction from our food. Uh Experts in this that I've been listening to and reading to prepare for this talked about immersing yourself in your food. And I know that we all, we've all probably all heard, those of us who've been lifelong dieters, chew your food 20 times, 30 times, 15 times a bite, you know, all these kind of things, and then you won't eat as much. But, you know, sometimes those, those old school advice, you know, pieces are, pieces of advice are really kind of spot on. 
right? We don't need to just race through a meal to get on to the next thing or race through a meal because we're you know, busy doing something else that we don't even know we're eating. With intermittent fasting, if we're truly eating two meals a day or we're eating one meal, one snack and one meal, we need to enjoy that time. It needs to be something distraction-free. Um, also, uh, ghrelin will be realized. Your stomach, the, the uh, ability for your uh, hunger hormone to realize that your stomach is being full will be uh, recognized better if we don't just pack it in real fast and eat it real quickly. And also leptin. Uh, it's been said a lot of times that people that in regular eating that leptin is not does not signal that we're done until two hours after we start eating. Uh, but in fasting studies, it shows that leptin tells us a lot sooner than two hours. So the whole idea of fasting coupled with uh, enjoying and just having distraction-free eating, coupled with eating slowly, immersing ourselves in our food and enjoying it, and really, you know, having it be something that we want, that we've waited for. All of those things combined will help us to have that leptin signal possibly as early as 20 minutes into eating. And so we can actually uh, hear leptin better if we do, if we eat distraction free. All right, so the next one is sleep. And those of you who uh, have been following me know that I am all about sleep now. I've kind of always been all about sleep um, just because I was always home with kids all day and the days were long. My husband was gone 13 hours every day and the days were long. We didn't have the internet and all this, you know, and um, I had a lot of children, so we didn't go very many places. And I always, always, always made sure I had my sleep. I would nap with the kids. I just... Even even then, I knew intuitively. I wasn't like a martyr mom. I never get any sleep. I don't. I don't sleep. I sleep four hours a night. That wasn't how I functioned. I think I just knew intuitively, uh, even before all this research that I've been doing about sleep. And now I love it even more. Sleep is so amazing. Even before I've done all this research, I just think I knew intuitively. I can't do this without sleep. <laughs> you know. And I think that that we have to get to that point a lot of times. Um, especially for those of you who are moms with still kids still at home listening, that we have to get to the point where we realize we really, really need sleep. And I know a lot, there was a lot of, there was a period of time where there was a lot of stuff going around. And I used to try to jump on that bandwagon sometimes and I would say, I don't need more than five hours sleep. I don't need more than six hours sleep, you know. And it was like bragging rights and it was like, how little sleep can I do, can I uh, get and still function and now the research is just the opposite and very seldom do you hear somebody in the fitness world bragging about not getting much sleep because the truth is that we really really need our sleep and um there's not really anything that is positively affected by sleeping shorter it, it doesn't matter whether it's hunger whether it's mood whether it is um energy whether it is digestion, whether it is metabolism, whether it is performance, um, whether it is cognitive function, everything is negatively impacted by not sleeping. So let me give you permission to sleep. I'm working on a blog post right now, and the graphic uh, that we're working on, I'm trying to think of the wording, it says something like, hungry, sleep. Um, tired, sleep. Uh, window closed, sleep. 
you know, whatever it is, just sleep. Sleep is the solution. All right. So sleep is really a solution. So uh, really just to fast in general, we need a good night's sleep the night before. So that's pretty much all the time for those of us who are doing some form of intermittent fasting seven days a week. Uh, last uh, week, I talked extensively about cortisol. That was episode 32. And cortisol is our stress hormone. And sleep deprivation means more cortisol. And, uh, you know, everything is so intertwined. When you start researching and learning about this stuff, it's like, oh, so that affects that and that affects that. And then you're like, for me personally, I'm just like looking at all of this research saying, what is the perfect storm for health, weight loss, weight management, inch loss, cognitive function, aging gracefully, and disease prevention? Oh, there are a lot of things that can come together for this perfect storm. And for us as intermittent fasters, the exciting part is that so much of it involves doing nothing. So there you go, right? All right, so cortisol is our stress hormone. And when cortisol is too high, our blood sugar is increased. And blood, and of course that increases our insulin and then we store instead of releasing. Um, less sleep simply means more hunger period. And we've all experienced this and maybe we couldn't really put our finger on it or maybe we didn't know exactly what it was that was causing it. But we know now that um, when we do not sleep enough, we're hungrier the next day. How many of us have said, man, I'm so hungry today. I just don't know why. And then you look back and you're like, oh yeah, I couldn't get to sleep. I didn't fall asleep until one or one thirty, And, and um, so anyway, it's just, it, it is just a known fact, everybody says it, all the camps say this. And that's another thing I'm always interested in, what is something that everybody agrees on? You know, there aren't that many things. <laughs> so what is something that everybody in fitness world and in, you know, health and weight management and stuff, what is something that everybody agrees on? And truly hunger is one, of, sleep is one of those. And the, I got some percentages and some statistics here that I think are really, really compelling. I just told my students this morning, they were like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. They're teenage girls. And uh, in the, my first class on Thursdays, and I was like, girls, did you know that? No, it was the second. I told the girls that in the first class. But in the second class, I told the, the kids this. And um, one of them looked at her brother and said, you must never sleep at night. You're starved all the time, teenage boys, right? Oh, to be able to eat what teenage boys eat, right? So research has shown that even one to two hours less sleep results in a 24 to 30% increase in hunger. So when you're looking at calories, which some people do and some people don't, but just for a marker here, let's look at calories. And suppose you could eat 2,000. Most of us can't eat 2,000. But suppose you could eat 2,000 calories a day to maintain your weight. 30% an increase in hunger, if we act on that, that would result in 30 times 2,000 calories is 600, went two times three, yeah, 60, six, 60, 600. That'd be 600 more calories that we potentially would consume just because we slept one to two hours less the night before than what we need. Um, and, and the thing about it is people are always like, what's the magic number? And it seems to be between seven and nine hours. That seems to be the, the little period of time um, where people get the best results with lowering cortisol, 
with decreasing hunger, with boosting metabolism, and increasing mood and energy levels. So it, it, uh, research shows that people who regularly sleep fewer than seven hours have 26% more hunger than those who sleep closer to eight hours per night. I personally have been on this thing because I always sleep seven and a half, and I've been on this kind of kick to try to sleep eight, so I got melatonin, and I started using my blue light blocking glasses at night when I watch my show, and um, uh, <laughs> I can't make myself sleep eight, sleep eight hours, and I know that as we get older, you know, they say we don't need as much sleep. I think part of that can be from daytime sleeping, though, because I know, like, with my parents, uh, my dad and stepmom, they would always fall asleep during the day, and then they couldn't get to sleep at night. So I think that can have some effect on it, too. Um, but six hours or fewer, all right, six hours or fewer, um, uh, research has shown lowers your overall daily leptin levels, and we want our leptin levels to be high because that's our satiety uh, hormone that tells us that we're satisfied, tells our brain that we're satisfied. Uh, fewer than six hours of sleep causes an increase in appetite and makes people crave carbohydrates and other quote-unquote fattening foods. So you can see the effect is not just on hunger. It's also on um, appetite. It's also on cravings. And um, then the next one is all about uh, uh, being having to do with your oh I don't have that here I don't have the study about the metabolism but the boost in metabolism and I talked about this last week how you know if you do everything right you know you boost your metabolism from sleeping you'll do boost your metabolism from water you'll boost your metabolism from caffeine you'll boost your metabolism from p uh, 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 pyy uh, in our decaf coffee or regular coffee and we'll do all of these things all at the same time and we'll have this boosted perfect metabolism right um, but sleep is one of those things that has an effect on all of those areas whether it's cravings metabolism hunger and of course we know all about the energy and the mood and things like that we always say I'm just so tired I'm in a bad mood right and so we can tell that's effect on that so one of the things that we can do uh, Obviously, we can change our sleep hygiene. And so with this, that means that we are going to do some things to cause us to fall asleep earlier. And then you know, there is research out there, too, about the hours before midnight and how, you know, every hour before midnight is worth two hours and so forth. So like I said, I've been on this kick. So I'm doing all these little sleep hygiene things and trying really hard. Um, and then all of a sudden we have something where we go for appetizers at nine o'clock for somebody's birthday at Applebee's. And I'm like... I ate late. I stayed up late. I'm going to be a mess. <laughs> so um, having grown kids, and all seven of ours live within a half an hour of us. So it's like, like I told you before, one big party. So um, with our um, sleeping, it's not just falling asleep. It's also staying asleep. That is crucial. And some, I always had problems with insomnia. I did for 20 years. It was horrible. And that's, and that's one, another reason why I focused on getting my seven and a half hours. My husband would get the kids up and start with them. And then he would get them going and then leave for work. And I would sleep until I got my seven and a half hours or eight hours in, um, as a, as a younger mom. But, um, my, my problem was never staying asleep, but some people actually fall asleep and then wake back up. So, uh, there are some things that we can do, um, to combat this and uh, and the first thing is not to do anything when you wake up uh, so you know when the minute we start doing something the minute we pull okay I can't go back to sleep so I'm just gonna pull out my phone I'm going to check Facebook um, 
I'm going to send a couple emails, you know, I'm going to look up something real quick or whatever. So not to do anything that would cause us to be even more alert. And um, so that's one thing. Um, another thing is like a lot of people don't like to get up to go to the bathroom in the night because they get too woken up. So when you do that, just keep the lights as low as you can while still, you know, going to the bathroom. Um, uh, because light has a huge effect on your, uh, uh, melatonin levels. So, um, and that's why my husband and I got these blue light, blue light blocking glasses. Uh, we have fluorescence in the dining room when we work in the dining room in the evenings together and um so because of that those fluorescents are even worse at, at keeping us up and it's not as bad in the winter because we have the natural light changing uh you know in indiana it gets dark at five o'clock in the winter um but you know in the summer it can really be a problem in some places where it stays light until nine o'clock or something and then our bodies just don't start sh shutting down so we want to stay asleep too. So there are a few things, and this is kind of, kind of um, split on this because some people are like, finish with fats, finish with fats. They'll keep you satisfied longer. Some are like, finish with carbs. You'll be, you'll have uh, the emotional and um, comfort kind of satiety. So you can take this all with a grain of salt. Um, but uh, I believe in the eating carbs at the end of your bedtime can help you stay asleep. Um, because of the satisfaction level. So I know that I used to have a lot of trouble sleeping when I didn't eat very many carbs, when I was trying to reduce my carbs so much. And now it doesn't matter if I have, you know, it doesn't have to be processed carbs, just any carbs, because you have such a huge satisfaction. And I think that's because um, we are made to have three macronutrients. And I just feel like carbs, um, not processed carbs, but healthy carbs, um, give us that satisfaction at the end of our eating window that will cause us to be able to uh, to stay asleep or at least to fall asleep easier. And then the fats, the reason people say to do the fats um, at the end of your eating window is because those are released slowly. If you remember when I talked about macronutrients a few months ago, uh, the macronutrient of fat is stays in the gut longer and so it's it's moved out slowly, and that is a huge satiety uh, signal. And that's also one reason why people get full on fat sometimes because of the satiety of those. So if you take like omegas, like fish oil, or, or I use um, a non-fish oil, plant-based omega, but if you take omegas, it's good to take those before bed because then that fat is released uh, slowly, and that helps with staying asleep. So I just love sleep. I highly recommend it. I think that we would all have better results with our fast, with our hunger, with our weight loss, with our metabolism if we would just sleep. And look at here, okay? Fasting is free, free of charge, free of stress, free of doing. Sleeping is free, free of charge, free of stress, free of doing affects everything. All right. So then I want to talk a little bit about the food during your eating window. I have a, a ton of stuff that I'm going to be doing in an upcoming episode about uh, your eating window and the effect that that can have on your satiety signals and um, on your just general satisfaction. Um, but uh, some things that can affect us during our fasting window really started during our eating window the night before. 
So uh, one thing is that you can eat too little. And a lot of people do this when they jump on um, fasting and, and they uh, start right away with, um, well, I, I want to do everything right. You know, so I want to be sure that I cut my calories. I want to cut my fat. I want to cut my carbs. I want to exercise. I want to fast long. I want to eat short. And they're doing all of these things um, in an effort, you know, to try to, you know, ramp up weight loss or whatever. And um, then it backfires on them, right? Because we do want to move from, um, you know, we do want to move from our, um, uh, you know, our eating window, then into burning through our glycogen stores, burning through circulating glucose, and then uh, be ready to burn body fat. But if that happens too early in the day, the next day, we can come, we can have hunger way longer than we need to. And um, we also, depending on when you close your eating window, like we close our eating window usually about six o'clock, and then that can make it really hard to fall asleep if you're not eating enough during your eating window. So too little food the night, the day before during your eating window um, can cause you, uh, you know, a lot of hunger during your um, fast. Now, I'm not saying that you should, you know, stuff yourself and that you want to, um, you know, eat so much that you, you don't get into fat burning the next day. But there's kind of a fine line there where you want to eat enough so that you're satisfied. And so, you know, you go into fat, but there's a little, little enough that you go into fat burning. So and that usually does not include like a 900 or 1100 calorie diet because that usually puts you into hunger the next day. And super high carbohydrates the night before. I just said Carbohydrates can help you with the satiety. There's there's even more than satiety because really it's fat and um, protein helps with satiety a lot. And I talked about this in earlier episodes too. But not I guess I'm not really using the right word there because it's really not satiety. I'm trying to zero in on its satisfaction. And so while carbs are good to satisfy you, you know, I love to have potatoes in the evening. I love apples and bananas. I eat those almost every day. And so um, it's not that you don't want to have, you know, carbs. You don't want to have so many carbs, um, and especially with the with processed carbs. So some of those can give you an immediate satisfaction, but not carry you through the fast. When I talked about the macronutrients, I talked about, again, about how, um, you know, fat stays in you the longest and how protein can up your metabolism by 14 to I think it's 14 to 30. 30 would be really, really, you'd have to eat a lot of protein and be on a high protein diet probably for that result. But how those kind of boost metabolism and they are satisfying and they're known as satiety macros. Carbs are not known as satiety macros, right? As a satiety macro. What do we always say about carbs? We say, I ate cereal this morning and now I'm starved by 10 o'clock prior to fasting, right? Or, um, you know, I... Uh, ate oatmeal and uh, bananas this morning, and you know now I I can't even make it to lunch, right? They're not known as being as giving satiety as far as long term satiety. They're known as being satisfying to us um, uh, as far as palatability is concerned. It's a lot of syllables. So too many carbs can cause us not to have our protein and our fats and things like that. And um, 
they uh, can cause you to get hungrier sooner the next day. All right, processed foods uh, in general. And um, I personally, and, and most people who've been fasting for a while, you know, they'll tell you that they become food snobs. That's, that's what we like to say that we are. We're kind of, we're food snobs now, you know, because, and it's amazing how you do not, when you've been fasting for a while, you do not want to waste your window on food you on waste your eating window on food you don't like on food that doesn't that you don't enjoy on foods that are not um satiating to you and uh, processed foods can be one of those now it's not to say that i never have processed foods but you can you can believe that i am not eating an inferior cookie out of a package i'm not eating a candy that i don't adore out of a package i am eating what i love and i would never waste my stomach space my um, calorie load, um, my eating window on foods that I don't enjoy. But processed foods in general are not as recognized by ghrelin and leptin. And so that's a real problem for those of us, you know, who we're coming into fasting because we want to enjoy typical regular eating. And that's why I teach in the course and at the blog that, that that you don't have to forego birthday parties and Taco Tuesday and Pizza Friday and things like that, but it all has to fit together. And you can't you don't want to do that every day or you will not be low enough to skim calories off the top. Remember one of the ways we lose weight is by skimming calories off the top gradually. Um, but processed foods can definitely cause cravings and um, cause us to want more and more and more of those processed foods. Um, and then, of course, no fat or protein will result in little long-term satiety. So uh, as far as in the eating window, I'm going to talk about that next time because I'm going run to run out of time here. But the foods that we eat the day before can have a big effect on our um, are fasting the next day and there's a fine line and you're going to experiment with this and you're going to see well you know i like to open with something like this is kind of my protocol i like to open my window with something healthy a little bit on the lower carb side but i'm not i'm not against opening with apples or um uh, bananas even but more real for sure more real more nutrient dense um, because I know that possibly later I'm going to have something that's less nutrient dense. And maybe I'm going to have my beloved peanut M&Ms at the end of my window, or maybe we're going to have ice cream with the kids or something like that. And so I'm thinking this through and I'm processing it. First of all, I don't like to open my eating window with something, um, that causes me to crave and be hungry my whole eating window, right? I want to have eating episodes. I don't want to have grazing. So what we eat during that whole eating window can affect us the next day. And we're going to, you're going to eventually just zone in on this. Like I know personally that I, if I go to bed and I'm like, oh man, I didn't have anything I love. You know, that is a mental satisfaction, but it's real and it's legitimate. And so to say that, you know, that that is not, has no bearing on our um, fast would be, would be false, right? Whereas if I had satisfactory foods, things that I enjoy, that's going to have an effect on my fast the next day. If I had a good balance of carbs and proteins and fat, that's going to have an effect on my eating window the next day. If I um, had carbs that I enjoy, like I said, I love to have 
uh, sprouted bread. I love to have apples, bananas, potatoes, um, sprouted bread. I'm all about sprouted toast with peanut butter. Um, so those things, I know they're going to be carby satisfying, right? While still not being processed. Um, and then of course there are times I have dessert, right? And then that, but I enjoy that and I wait for that and I, and I make plans for that. And then I also know that if I had fat, it's going to help me in the fast the next day too. Uh, go back and watch the one about macros on fit, figuring your macros. I can't remember what episode that was. And then episode 32 is the one where I talk specifically about fiber, fat, and protein and the satiety we get from those three things as well. All of these things are going to come together to help us during the fasting window. The goal during the fasting window is to get our bodies fat adapted so that they go from burning our circulating glucose from yesterday's food. Everything we ate is eventually going to turn to glucose, maybe some fatty acids in there, but everything we eat is going to turn to glucose. We're going to burn through that. We're going to burn through stored glycogen, and then we're going to go into fat burning. And we want to do that seamlessly. And that's another reason why it's not good to go off and on a, a fasting all the time, because you're always back to square one, trying to fat adapt, trying to get your body to become fat adapted. And you always have to go back and go through that whole process again of that those hungers, hangries of the early days of fasting. Whereas if we stay kind of in a fasting mode, even if it's 16-8, 18-6, whatever it might be, then we are... Uh, always going to be able to go from circulating glucose, stored glycogen, right into stored body fat without having that inter intermediate period of time where we have, you know, like what they call the keto flu. We won't have to keep getting that over and over and over again. Uh, we'll just get it once we start and then we'll be fine the rest of the time. Most intermittent fasters will tell you that they do have times of hunger, long-term long intermittent fasters. Um, but like for my husband and I, we would seldom be hungry um, um, before 17 or 18 hours. I mean, we seldom feel anything, you know, before 17 or 18 hours now. And, um, and usually... You know, once you get to 20, it doesn't matter if you go 20 or 22 at that point. But um, so, but if we do any of these things I just mentioned, right, we could have those, those hungry, hungry periods too. So anyway, all of these things come together and affect our fast. So whether it was episode 31, 32, 33, taming ghrelin, drinking our liquids, having our fiber, um, using pink Himalayan salt, uh, eating enough of their macros that help us with satiation, eating carbs that satisfy us emotionally and mentally, um, getting the eating window is another thing, just getting the eating window that works for you. Because I know we used to have this like more three to three to eight, four to nine kind of eating window. And, for, and now that we work together, we're both self-employed at home, I don't like to eat after six. I just find that it works a lot better for me uh, during the day to open my window more like at one or two. So you'll find that too. But all of these things can come together for you and they really can. And I hope that you'll use episodes 31 and 32 and 33 to help you with hunger during those early days. Message me and I'll answer questions here in the group for you or I'll put it in a fast shot or I'll put it in my uh, broadcast. 
subscribe on YouTube and you'll see them when they get put up there. Subscribe at DonnaReach.com. Check out our Plexus. I don't have enough time for my Plexus Bio Cleanse. I'll put the information down here at the bottom, um, but you can check that out. Three in one, uh, digestive enzymes, probiotic, and uh, um, antifungals to get rid of the bad bacteria too. So thank you so much for joining me.